Welcome back to another episode of the Employee to Boss podcast. This episode is a very powerful one because it is all about the knowledge that you need to start your business in a legal way. I get tons of questions from podcasters all the time about how to set their podcasts up legally, how to stop people from stealing their ideas, their topics, and when they start making money, how do they do that legally? It's so There's so many questions about the legal side of business, and that's why I'm having Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, come here and talk about trademarks, contracts, protecting your assets and intellectual properties, and all of the things that you need to know to start your business. Gordon is absolutely a pioneer in this field because first of all, he has had a podcast for 13 years now. When have you heard of that? That is absolutely incredible. And he's been practicing media, entertainment, and business law since 1992. I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me with legal questions and I have the same answer every single time. Go talk to Gordon. So I cannot wait for you to hear all of the details in a very simple way. My favorite part of this episode is that everyone can understand what Gordon is talking about. He does not use fancy legal jargon. He just puts it all out on the table and really tells you what you need, what you don't need, what order to set things up in. So let's get right into this episode with Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer. I am very excited for this conversation. We connected a while back and He's just been such an amazing resource for not only myself, but also my clients when it comes to anything legal, because trust me, I don't know the first thing about legal, but being a professional in the podcast industry, people think I do. People come to me all the time and are like, I want to monetize my podcast, but I don't know the legal steps. And to that, I say, I don't know either. Go talk to Gordon. So I am very excited that he's here today to speak with us. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Haley. Absolutely. So I would love to hear how you coined yourself as the podcast lawyer and what that really entails. Well, um, so as you said, I am the podcast lawyer. I have been practicing entertainment and media and business law since 1992. So somewhere along there, about halfway since then, to now podcasting became a thing. I started as a podcaster uh, doing a show called Entertainment Law Update. We just recorded our 138th monthly episode uh, earlier today. Wow. And yeah, that's almost 13 years. (laughs) Yeah. And along the way, I, I started thinking, well, you know, I'm an entertainment lawyer. I should probably just look into, you know, what the law relating to podcasting is, and I found no resources. So I wrote a book called Podcast Blog and New Media Producers Legal Survival Guide. It's an ebook, And um, that sort of, you know, studying and writing a book sort of makes you into an expert. And so I started helping other podcasters figure out their legal stuff and staying on the legal straight and narrow and protecting their assets and things. And uh, I decided to brand myself as the podcast lawyer with a little TM after it. (laughs) And that signifies a common law trademark, which is not fully protected under the federal US registration system, because it's a sort of a descriptive term. And uh, as we get into talking about trademarks, descriptiveness is at one part of a spectrum. And uh, federal trademark, I should say, protects distinctive terms. So I'm building that awareness and distinctiveness by 
getting the minds of the public to connect the dots between this descriptive term and me specifically. Yeah. So you work with clients more independently, correct? Well, yeah. Most of my clients are uh, small business owners, small podcasting, you know, solo podcasters or, or small podcast networks. I've worked with a few of the platforms and um, bigger companies from time to time, usually on one-off deals and, and those kinds of things. When you first got into law, media and entertainment law, mm-hmm. what type of clients did you have in the very beginning? So my when I began my practice, I had been, while I was in law school, I'd been working at a couple of the different television and movie studios. So that was sort of my intended client base. And um, I started out doing what we call legal and business affairs, which is the deals, the the transactions in that area, film, television. Uh, I did music for the first few years of my career as well. And music law is a whole other game that involves uh, some personalities. And uh, personally, I found it an unsavory business. So I got out, I'm not going to get too far into the details on that, but I got out of the music side, representing, you know, young artists in various genres was just not my cup of tea. So film, television, and a live theater is a big uh, passion, early passion of mine. And so I'm also branded as the theater lawyer as well. But Very uh, cool. I had no idea. Yeah. So, you know, diversifying a little bit, having, it's good to be be in a niche, but it's also good to have a couple of niches so that when one goes quiet or or slows down, the other one picks up. And I have to say, I'm very fortunate. Here we are coming out of, uh, hopefully coming out of this year or two of pandemic um, where movies and television and theater weren't happening. Mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate to have the digital side business, the podcasting, live streaming, and those kinds of things covered as well to sort of keep the, the doors open and the lights on. And it's worked out nicely for me. So Yeah, because as movies and theater kind of went away for a little bit, podcasts yeah. were popping up everywhere. Yes. I speak with podcasters every single day and one of the offers that I have is a as a free podcast audit where they can see yeah. where they are, what they're doing right, what they need to improve on. Mm-hmm. And my first question is when did you start your podcast? And sure. usually it's sometime in 2020. Yep. You know, <laughs> usually. That's, that's an interesting thing because it's real easy to start a podcast. It's not so easy to make a podcast really a go of it and keep going at it. And I think I get to say that with 13 years under my belt. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Awesome. So I love that you have so many different niches that you work with, but they're all very specific, right? They're all based off of your values and your personality. And like you said, music wasn't quite your thing, but you Mm -hmm. found something that was. And so A lot of people who listen to this are either still in their nine to five and doing their business as a side hustle, wanting to go more into their business. They're just trying to figure it out. And so you would be a great person to give some advice on niching down and just kind of going for it. Yeah, I, I would say if, if I have to give some, some advice, if you are going to go out on your own or start any business, really, whether it's on your own or with a group, it's important to have very clear focus on who your market is, who your audience, your your ideal customers, clients are, what is the problem that they have that you are going to solve? And what is the nature of your solution? That's your product, ultimately, or service. And 
trying to be all things to all people is a, is a recipe for being nothing to anybody, really. Um, you might make a go of it for a while and then it'll, it'll stagnate. But if you, when you, when you really know who you're talking to, you can tailor your marketing message. You can tailor your solutions to their specific needs. So maybe it's, you know, moms with young children at home, or maybe it's moms whose, whose uh, kids have left home and they're dealing with the empty nest and they want to do something different with their lives or, or make a change or get fit or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, niche down is, is really, really important and be as specific as possible in crafting that ideal customer avatar. Mm-hmm. You know, give them a name, give them an age and a gender and a whole background. What church did they go to? You know, all those kinds of things, because it will inform how you think about them. And you may feel like you're only talking to one person, but everybody who hears it will think you're talking to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you know who you want to help, you'll be, it'll be so much easier to find Absolutely. them. And doing that market research in the beginning is so important because you may think they want one item or one service and then yeah. you actually talk to them and they want something totally different. And so, and, yeah, that talk research. to them is key. Listen to what they say and how they say it and then reflect that back at them. That's because then they'll think you're inside their head and, and uh, know their next thought too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And not going in it directly for sales, more for knowledge. And then the sales come later once you build the trust with the yeah. whole ideal audience. So when someone is starting off their business and they're coming from a nine to five and they're just doing it as a side hustle or they're going from side hustle to full time, Mm -hmm. it can be scary to invest, right? A lot of people think about investing in business coaches, mindset coaches, money coaches. Not a lot of people think about the legal side of things and protecting what they're working so hard for. And you don't know if you're going to be successful in the beginning. It's all kind of a gamble. You can say, yes, I'm going to be amazing at this. People are going to love what I do. And then you can have a launch and maybe get no one. Right. And it's kind of scary to spend your money without making money, but the legal side of thing is very important. And so can you talk about when someone first needs to think about finding a lawyer you know, it's going to be different for every person, but uh, for every business, but I would say that the legal aspects of things is kind of like pouring the foundation for your house. Well, before you build the, the, the above ground part of things, you have to lay the foundation and a stable, solid foundation makes everything easier going forward. And so I say, you know, of course, I'm a lawyer, so I would say, but getting involved with a lawyer, getting a lawyer onto your team early is important because it will help you lay that foundation, level the ground, even things out so you can build what you intend to build in your vision from the ground up with as few hurdles and roadblocks and friction points as possible. It doesn't have to cost a, a bloody fortune. A lot of times, um, uh, you know, just getting a little advice from a lawyer might be worth investing in an hour of a lawyer's time to sort of make sure you're you're uh, on the right track and that you're you're you know, setting those, those uh, foundation stones in place, right. But um, uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do yourself if you know what to do and how to do it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, for one, like to teach, you know, if if you don't have the budget to have someone do it for you, uh, I like to teach you how to do it for yourself, and make sure you have the right tools and strategies and things like that on hand. 
Yeah. So when you are starting your business or your podcast, whatever it may be, and you want to protect it, what are some of the first steps we should take? Well, I'll say that, you know, starting any kind of a, of an enterprise, any kind of a business or a venture, whether it's a podcast or making a movie or a play, or just launching a retail store, you've got to have sort of four cornerstones or, or pillars. And, and those are having a, uh, a, a, I say legit a lot, a legit business structure in place. That is a corporation or limited liability company or something which provides a shield for your asset, your personal assets that separates you from your stuff from the business's stuff. Um, at the very least, if you're working with a team with a partnership, you want a partnership agreement or something to clarify who owns what and how is it going to be handled and who gets the profits and those kinds of things. So having some kind of a business structure is important. Um, going it just seat of the pants it works for some people, but it's dangerous if something happens. If you if you do end up in a partnership with a team, uh, there may be dis disagreements and misunderstandings. And getting things in writing is a great way to avoid that. The whole purpose is getting things in writing to avoid those things. So the pillar number one is the business structure. Pillar number two is the team structure. Anybody who's coming in to help you work with you in your enterprise, whatever it is, should have... A, a clear written definition of what their jobs are, what their role is, and the nature of the relationship. Are they an employee? Are they an independent contractor? Who owns what they create if they create stuff for you? Are they a co-owner? Do they get a piece of the action? What, what piece and how do you measure? You know, all of those kinds of things need to be thought through. Even the vendors and, and the, you know, the freelancers that you bring in, you want to make sure you have a clear everybody is on the same page with a clear understanding of the relationships. The third pillar or cornerstone is your intellectual property. Really all your property, but intellectual property is the one that people don't get their heads around very easily. You're going to be creating stuff, um, even if it's just sales material or, or you know, posters in the business space or something like that. If you're creating it, there's a copyright involved. If you are building a name for your business, a brand, that's a, a trademark or service mark issue. Um, and if you're using other people's stuff, then you also have those copyright and trademark issues. So you have to be very thoughtful. I was just talking uh, with some other lawyers yesterday about uh, these folks that are purchasing, uh, you know, clothing items or shoes off the rack, and then they'll embellish them. They'll do bedazzled jeans or, or they change up the design on the side of the Nike shoes or something like that you need to understand the potential ramifications of doing that because when you resell it, now you may be infringing people's trademarks. So that's the other side. Protect your stuff, respect other people's stuff. And then the fourth component, of course, is your relationship with the clients and customers directly. And again, good contracts, good written documents to understand. So everybody has a clear understanding. What's your refund policy? What's your return policy? What's your... What's your, um, you know, is there a trial period for what you're creating or, or not? You know, those kinds of things. Um, the more detailed and specific you get, the better. So those are the four pillars. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like contracts are super important, even in the beginning. And a lot of people can find contracts just online, just templates online, sure. but will those hold up in court if anything happens? And I'm not saying things are going to happen, but just in case, would those hold up in court? Well, you know, contract is just another word for agreement. 
And so the, the written document that we call a contract is the memorandum of the agreement or the, or the memorialization of that. You can even have oral contracts. The problem is proving what did they agree at the, in the first place. If you go into a judge and you have a, a disagreement about what was the understanding, sometimes they just have to guess. Sometimes they can't guess and they just sort of craft a solution. So yes, these documents that you find on the template sites and things like that, they do stand up. The real challenge is, do they stand up the way you want them to? And only the person who wrote that will really know. The only way to find out, of course, is to test it. So I say, if you're going to use templates, at least understand the, the principles and the consequences of what's in the document and, uh, and get them from a source where you, you, know, you, you kind of know. Now, some things are very simple. You know, I give away a, a, a guest release for folks who have guests on their podcasts. And it's, you know, it's four paragraphs and it's pretty easy to understand what's going on there. But there's language in there that, you know, somebody wanted to cut that out for some reason, you'd have to understand what would happen if you remove that. And that's where knowledge is power. Understanding these things is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to talk to you about that guest released form because sure. I started using it with the people I'm interviewing. Yeah. And it just is like another sense of safety, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, you might not need it, but if you, if you do, you might. And so safety for both sides, because now everybody knows what the drill is. A lot of people get concerned that using a contract is going to all of a sudden make people scared and wary of the situation. And yet that you might, you know, my experience has been generally everybody feels comforted by the sense that we're here. This is business-like we're doing something serious and it makes them think about it. And it makes them, most of the time, a sense of comfort that they understand the relationship. And the ones who get all freaky about it, you probably don't want to be doing things with them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I um, was listening to a podcast a while ago. I talk about this podcast all the time, The Mindset Mentor mm -hmm. by Rob Dial. He mentioned in an episode that he doesn't use contracts and never has. And to me, I was like, is that true? Like, that would make me scared. He's has a, he probably has a million dollar business right there. And I use contracts and I, you know, I'm still growing. So I just thought it was interesting, but this, this form, this release form, can you tell us about the benefits of it? Well, in that particular case, the, the thing is when you record a person, a person's voice or performance or appearance, you need their, in many places, not all states in the US, but most places, you need some consent to do the recording. Now, that consent might be implied just by showing up and sitting down and talking into the microphone. But what's the scope of what they're saying there that is okay for you to do? It's okay for you to record me. Oh, you want to publish it? How much money are you going to pay me? So right there, we, we, we start to lay out the, the kinds of things that a, a release form can do. You have the right to record it. You have the right to publish it in any and all media forever and ever. I don't have any right to approve what's in what the, the ultimate end result of the podcast episode is. Or maybe I do. And you can, again, put that in writing. Uh, not getting paid. And what we create belongs to you, the podcast host, rather than me, the guest who's you know, agreeing to record. Normally, when two people sit down to create something together, the law says they're co-owners of that thing. And joint authors, co-owners get to share the money, they get to share the grief, the, the liability as well. And so 
that's where having a, a good release lays out the scope of the actual consent, the scope and permission given by the consent and uh, compensation and ownership issues. Yeah. So it's easier just to get this form and I think so. fill it out than go through all of this. Where can people find that? So uh, the podcast release is at podcastrelease.com. I have one that's a little more tailored for folks who are live streaming and video. That's mm. called, that's at guestrelease.com, but they both work. Okay. Awesome. Well for either. I'll put those both in the, in the description, the show notes. Thank you. So I am excited to talk about trademarking because mm-hmm. this is one of the most confusing topics for me and my clients. So yeah. Just the other day, my client came to you because I was like, you need a trademark. I don't know how to do this. Go talk to Gordon. That's just my answer to anything legal. Go talk to Gordon. (laughs) And so she was having an issue because her podcast name has the word entrepreneur in it. And to our surprise, that word cannot be trademarked. And so that's not true. That word is trademarked by the very famous publisher and media company that makes the magazine by the title Entrepreneur. Mm. So, (laughs) and they have in the past had, uh, uh, let's just call them interactions with other (laughs) podcasters who've chosen to use that word in their title of their show. And, you know, the, the, there's no saying that that would actually have happened in the case of, of, uh, our mutual clients uh, uh, situation, but it was certainly something to be thoughtful and concerned about. And, you know, when you're starting up a podcast, knowing that they might be coming after you might make you rethink and should make you rethink, do I choose this title or do I choose something that's not likely to be creating any kind of confusion with that brand? Exactly. Because now we're going to have to do a mini rebrand, which isn't the end of the world, but it's just not not ideal, right? Yeah. And so can you tell us some tips on trademarking and kind of why someone would even need a trademark? So let's start with what a trademark is and isn't. Mm-hmm. A trademark is a distinctive word or phrase or, or symbol or mark of some sort that is applied to goods or services to indicate the source or origin. So if you think about brands and you go back to the term branding in the sense of a branding iron that was applied to you know, the heat and then seared into the side of a cow, that was how you knew what ranch the cow came from. Same thing, if you buy a, bo- a box of crackers or cookies and you see a red triangle in the upper corner, here in the US anyway, a red triangle, that tells you that it's coming from a company called the National Biscuit Company or Nabisco, mm-hmm. right? So when you buy cookies from with the red, the red triangle, you know you're getting a certain level of quality and you can you know what to expect trademark is all about protecting the consumer against confusion and and disruption of the marketplace that way so when you own or create a brand or a trademark you uh you have the ability if it's distinctive that is not likely to be confused with others and um, not just merely descriptive or um or just sort of generic you can register that with the U.S. government. The Department of Commerce runs the trademark office, the Patent and Trademark Office. And that registration provides you, you get some protection just by adopting a brand and sort of building it in in the marketplace. But the registration allows you to basically put a stop to anybody who comes along with confusingly similar 
branding. So in the, in the media creation space in particular with podcast titles and things like that, um, I recommend choosing something very distinctive that sort of sets you apart and stands out, not descriptive. This is do as I say, not as I do. My podcast is called Entertainment Law Update, as descriptive as it comes. But we've been doing it for 13 years and we've acquired a level of distinctiveness. Our audience recognizes it as being us. And so we, we do have a trademark there. But if you're just starting out, pick something distinctive and unique from the start. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's great advice because a lot of podcasters now, or at least ones that I work with, I work with businesses, they want to make something very descriptive of what their business is you know if it was you know corner shoe store (laughs) right um uh that that's a very descriptive term and it it, yeah it tells you exactly what you need to know it's the shoe store on the corner but it's not distinctive and there could be a corner shoe store in every city in america and they wouldn't be able to stop each other from using that that title so choosing something it's look it's a balancing act you want to be discoverable you want to be found uh, when people run a search or or mm-hmm. uh, or whatever, but you also want to set stand apart and um, and be a little different somehow. So, um, yeah. you know, choosing something like a I don't know a, a, another word that has nothing to do with shoes might be the way to do it. You know, flare shoe store or or something or you know, just make it fun yeah. and unique, right? <laughs> Pepperoni yeah. shoe store. <laughs> <laughs> so it's lunchtime. I'm hungry. <laughs> So trademarking is not the cheapest thing, right? It's, it does cost a trademark. And so, you know, can you talk about like why a trademark is important from the start? Okay. I will say, I'm I'm not sure it is important as the very first thing you do. You know, it's the third pillar in my list of pillars that I gave earlier is protect your intellectual property. First, build the, the foundations of your business structure and making sure your team and everybody understands what's expected of them. But then, yes, it's time to invest in protecting your property. It's sort of like putting up a fence around the house or the, or the yard to keep your stuff in and intruders out. And so registering a trademark is, you know, it's not a outrageously expensive. Well, maybe for some people it is, but um, I think it's a worthwhile investment of resources in order to establish an asset that will grow in its power and and authority over time. Because as you said earlier, people want to do business with uh, folks that they know, like, and trust. And a brand is the way they know you. And then over time, as you start to have the brand out there creating great products and services, that's where the like and trust come from. So it is definitely investment in, in, again, foundational stuff. And, um, you know, just like you would pay for the materials that you use to make your products, the, the trademark, the brand, yeah, it requires a little bit of investment. How do you come across getting a trademark? So the, the process is um, several steps. First of all, you choose, a, choose one that is distinctive. Mm-hmm. I recommend doing a search, both at the time that you're choosing your brand, make sure you're not going to immediately have to make a change, but also when it's time to register the trademark. And, and by the way, trademark is not protectable and not registrate, you can't do a registration until it's in use in commerce. So you pick a brand, adopt it, put it out there. And then when you have a, a few items, or in, in the case of podcasts, we talk about a certain number of two or three episodes is enough to get in commerce. Once you're in commerce, you file the application for registration, which is a 
it's an online form, but it is definitely not an easy to follow online form. Um, a lot of folks do it themselves and some succeed and some hire me to fix it for them later. <laughs> and it's more expensive to hire me to fix it than it is to hire me to do it for you in the first place. It just, it's more time consuming. Um, but run that search and there are comprehensive search services cost a few hundred dollars that will really give you every, all the information you need to know about whether or not it's likely to be confused with anything and where the risk factors are. The trademark office is going to do its search as well, and they're going to identify those problems. And sometimes that's ground for a refusal. So it, uh, the searching, I think, is sometimes we can just tell, oh, it's a coined phrase. It's, you know, we're, we're good. But most of the time, I recommend a search. Once we do the search, file the application. Uh, the government fee is $350 in the US per class, per uh, per mark, per class. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, depending on the goods and services you offer, there's multiple classes that you have to deal with. And then the legal fee will vary by the lawyer and so on. But, uh, you know, expect to spend uh, in the neighborhood of $1,000, $1,500 to get a, a simple trademark registered. And right. uh, um, you can try to do it yourself, but then you, you may pay that twice over by the time you're done. So Right. And so when someone wants to work with you, kind of what is the first process in that? Does it start with you helping them with the search or is the search an independent thing that they do first? So I prefer to run the search through the company that I use and, and I do the analysis. I want to do my interpretation, uh, partly because I'm setting the parameters myself. So I know what we're, you know, how broad the scope of the search was, because you can search worldwide or you can search very locally. I recommend searching sort of broadly within all the English speaking countries and things like that. So, um, and I have a search company that I like to, you know, their reports make sense to me and all that. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you are looking to uh, get a trademark registration, really to build any of these foundations, again, sooner is better. Reach out to me, let me know, and, and we'll set it up. You can visit my website at firemark.com. I have a page dedicated to trademarks. That's firemark.com slash trademarks. And right on that page is a button where you can set an appointment with me for a free consultation. And uh, we'll talk about it and I'll lay out the costs and what I expect and how it's going to work and whether I think it's going to work. And uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. And that's an amazing offer that you have just because so many lawyers wouldn't even do a free consultation, right? But you want to make sure it's actually going to work so people aren't just spending money and maybe using a word like entrepreneur and, and uh -huh. trying it and getting it denied. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, some, sometimes someone will call and just say the name of whatever they're registering. I'll just say, you know what? Don't. Right. <laughs> or don't try to register right now because it's not going to go through. Go ahead. And, and actually I had this conversation with a client yesterday. I said, you know, we could try to register it right away. And what will probably happen is they will reject it. And then we'll have to start over again in a couple of years, or we could wait a couple of years and, you know, actually we wait a few months until everything's up and running. And then there's this alternate approach where we could file something that's sort of a, a temporary holding position, and then we can get it through in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, businesses are long haul operations. So again, investing with money, investing with time, um, it all counts. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I have... I am speaking with someone in another podcast episode where one of her first things when she was pricing out her products was to make sure it covered her insurance, her lawyer fees, her, 
employee fees, everything that she may have used later on. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a mindset block for her, but she had to price her her services higher or her products higher because she ser- she sells products. Yeah. She had to price them a little bit higher just so she had the money in case anything happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just really taking care of yourself and thinking into the future. Businesses, yeah. like you said, are a long haul. It's not an overnight thing. So you need right. to think down the line, what if I need a lawyer? Okay. Mm-hmm. I need to add $20 per client or you know, something even like that, it could be hundred dollars per client could be more, but whatever makes sense for you and your business. You you have to factor in your, your full cost of operations, which will include the legal, just like it includes what you pay for the electricity and the water in your home or whatever. You have to figure these other things into your pricing structure. And it's also also important to remember that pricing is a kind of branding. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to be high priced. Yeah, exactly. I uh... premium brand rather than a discount brand. Don't you know, you don't want to be in the dollar store. You want to be at, at uh, Rodeo Drive. Yes. I had a, a client a while ago who I was just talking to her. It was when I was first starting my business and she was very honest with me. She said that when she was first starting 10 years ago, someone didn't hire her because her prices were too low and they yeah. were concerned. And so thinking about that, you would rather over deliver and overcharge mm-hmm. than over delivering and undercharging and burning yourself out and working at a loss. And everything is a balance. You know, some of us are here to serve. And so we do things like offering a free consultation, which a lot of lawyers don't, uh, you know, because for me, it's about providing a service and educating people. And, and frankly, I just don't want to take on, I don't want to take someone's money to, so that I can tell them, hey, it's not going to work. Right. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Um, but also, you know, some of us are just here to serve and it's, it's almost like ministry, in which case you do it because you love doing it and it's important, but you, yeah, you, you still have to keep the doors open. Got to keep the lights exactly. on. Exactly. Um, and uh, uh, for mo- I think most of us being a premium product means, yes, you have fewer clients or customers, but you serve them at a higher level and you make more money per customer or client. You're not working as hard as fulfilling for thousands of people. I agree. At a lower price. So I agree. So is there anything else that maybe we didn't touch on or you want to talk about more today? No, I think we've really covered it. I mean, you know, uh, I guess the, the foundation of all of this is, I've used that word a lot, but, you know, coming at things like a professional, being professional about everything you do, even if it's not, some of us, you know, think we have hobbies, but you take a professional approach in podcasting. You want to have good quality sound. And, pe- and that's one of the things I, I don't get is people invest hundreds or thousands of dollars in microphones. And then they don't think about any of this legal stuff at all until mm-hmm. it becomes a problem. Yeah. Coming at things professional. Professionals invest in things that will move their business. And laying a foundation is a great way to get started. So That's awesome. So how can people find you? Firemark.com is the website and, um, or you can search my name, Gordon Firemark. I'm, I'm on social media. I'm, I'm ever, I'm fortunate to have a, a distinctive name. It's almost <laughs> like a trademark. <laughs> exactly. So you can find me pretty easily. Uh, I'm known as the podcast lawyer. If you're in the podcasting space, that'll, uh, that's a great way to reach me or, um, yeah, just give me a shout out on social or, or, uh, do a web search. Awesome. And so I'll put all of those links down right. below And I love 
ending every single episode with you giving three actionable tips that someone can start today to move their business or or start niching down, whatever it may be, what would you recommend people doing? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say that it's this concept of being thinking and being professional in our approach. I say, you got to think legit. And by that, I mean, having the right mindset from the very beginning, thinking, being in the mind of what it's like to be a professional at whatever you're doing. And doing some dreaming and and visioning about it, I I like to do a, an exercise. It's called the uh, the view from the mountaintop, where you know if you're standing at the base of a high mountain, you might be feeling that oh god, how am I going to get to the top? So what I want to do is take it the other way around and say, okay, what's it going to feel like when I've reached the top? And really get into that. Okay, I'm here. I'm at the top. I've achieved the thing, whatever that thing is. Now I can look back on how I got here. And doing that, that visualization, visioning exercise, I find very, very helpful. Just sort of makes it makes it seem like you've already been there. You've already done that. It's just now, you know, refining and polishing the process. So thinking legit. Next step, I say plan legit. Um, you know, the, the old saying, uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. Now, plans are not something that ever survived the real world very long. But having done the planning gets you thinking about, the potential roadblocks and hurdles and things that you're going to encounter. So sit down and make a plan. A business plan is a great tool for assessing and, you know, things like choosing how you're going to price your product. What are the things I'm going to encounter as expenses, as, as hurdles, roadblocks, friction points, and those kinds of things. And then just having thought about what might be out there, you will, when they do arise or when other things arise, you'll have the agility to, to adapt and overcome those things. And finally, being legit, that is acting legit. It's not enough just to have the mindset, but you also have to behave like a legit business professional. And that means doing the things that professionals do, like getting your legal stuff in order, having the contracts, using the contracts. Um, sometimes it's, it's you know, firing the, the bad ones, getting rid of the dead wood. And that means clients as well as employees. There's no such thing as a, as a client that is uh, irreplaceable or, or so important that you can't let go. If it's bad for you, if it's toxic to your lifestyle, get rid of the client, dump the customer. It's just life's too short. So think legit, plan legit, behave legit. Those are my three. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was so valuable. You can find all the links down in the show notes, and I highly recommend at the very least, getting that podcast release form, because yes. that'll set you on the right track. And then when you're ready to start doing your trademark, definitely set up a 30-minute call with Gordon and figure out what's right for you. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Haley. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Employee to Boss podcast. If you made it to the end of this episode, I hope that you implement the actionable steps from this week's experts so you can get started with your business today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Employee to Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps more than you could ever imagine. Remember, a little progress each day leads to big results. We come out with a new episode every Tuesday. To access our show notes, transcripts, and courses, please check out EspressoPodcastProduction.com.